You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. How many of you know that um, you can't even count all the blessings that God has poured out on your life? You start and then you go, ah, I just give up. I know there's so much more. <laughs> um, it's so true. That's why I love that song. <clears throat> um, so to get started today, I just have a question for you. I've been thinking a lot uh, about uh, my kids. Um, not have you thought about my kids, but I've been thinking about my kids. And have you ever had that thought in your mind as a parent, uh, whether your kids are out of the house or whether they're, they're young, have you ever thought, did I mess them up? Like, I, did I, is how I'm treating them, is how I'm talking to them, is what I'm doing, am I providing, have I messed, am I messing up? I think at some point all of us as parents think that through and think about that and think, there is, we just, I'm just so cautious because I love my kids and I, I know I'm not perfect, but I just don't want to do anything wrong, right? Kelly and I, as, as uh, our, our kids, uh, you know, we're, we're really young um, we, we decided, and this was before internet, uh, this was before phones. Cell phones back then were like this big. They were a brick kind of thing when our kids were being raised. And um, we, we, one of the, thing, the areas that we wanted to really be cautious about was what they consumed in, in terms of movies okay, in our house. What did they consume in terms of movies? We wanted to make sure that what, they were, what we were allowing in our house was, was wholesome and healthy and, and not, not God-honoring. Uh, and so we started thinking through what are some of the movies. And so both Kelly and I are musical, we're a musical family. So we thought, you know what, we're going to wean our kids on, raise our kids on musicals. So we pulled out, but not just any musicals, these have to be good musicals. So we pulled out Brigadoon, my Fair Lady, uh, 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 anything with Audrey Hepburn, South Pacific, all these wonderful musicals. And what was great about these musicals is that not only did they appeal to us as adults, but they were old enough and clean enough where the kids could watch them and, and we just have a good time around musicals. So as then the cartoons, as they got a little bit older and they were getting into more of the cartoon movies, you know, the animated movies, we, we started allowing them to watch Little Mermaid, right? remember Little Mermaid, or Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, some of those just classics. But there was one movie that we watched, and we still watch to this day um, on these things that we used to get. They're, they're about this big, and they were like plastic silver. They're called DVDs right? They're not streaming. They're kids, they, they actually put this thing into a little box and it actually played on your TV. It's called DV. We have tons of those, but this was the one that was probably the most worn out uh, in our household because we just love, present tense, love this movie. And it was this one, Iron Giant, right? Iron Giant. Raise your hand if you've never seen this movie. I will pray for all of you. This is a, oh, you gotta, what's wrong with our church? You gotta see this movie. It's, oh, it's I know, yeah, John and I talked about that before service. It's just a great movie. So basically, for, for those of you unfortunate souls um, who haven't seen it, that's Little Mermaid reference, by the way. Um, 
let me, let me tell you about what this movie is, and it ties into our message. So, basically, this movie was set in 1957, and a little boy, a boy named Hogarth Hughes, uh, stumbles upon a 50-foot-tall alien robot that is called the Iron Giant, and he had fallen from space. We don't know the background, but all of a sudden he finds himself on the earth, and Hogarth Hughes, along with a beatnik named Dean, and his, they're trying to hide this robot from the government, who is also seeking to find this robot. So along, as they go through the adventure, Hogarth and the Iron Giant just, fall, just have this great relationship together. They just this, this great, deep friendship. But yet, they're well aware the government is right on their tails. There's a federal agent named Kent Mansley who is also chasing them, trying to find this iron giant, and he's slippery, this guy, this federal agent. So the whole thing is that they're, they're trying to hide him in a junkyard and all kinds of different things uh, to keep him away from the military. Fast forward to the end of the movie, and I'm just going to tell you the end. Um, he, the government... Uh, and the Iron Giant are in the town, and they meet, and the government, the, the military is raising the, the battle arms on the tanks. They're going to blow them up because they think that the Iron Giant is a weapon of mass destruction, and they think that the Iron Giant is there to blow up the earth. So uh, a couple of different situations happen, and the military is just about to fire, and then all of a sudden, the general realizes, no, Iron Giant is is fine, he's a friend, and they're starting to, to lower and kind of back off and pull away. But Kent Mansley, the slippery federal agent, grabs the phone and he calls the airstrike, nuclear airstrike, from a ship outside in the water, and this nuclear bomb comes toward the town. Isn't this great for kids? This mass destruction. So this nuclear bomb is coming to the town. The Iron Giant realizes that if this thing hits, it's going to destroy all the people of the town. And so in this touching scene, the Iron Giant sees Hogarth and says goodbye, and he takes off to basically hit the, the nuclear before it gets to the town. And so he's, he soars directly into the path of the rocket, the Iron Giant does, and the, the Iron Giant remembers Hogarth's words from earlier in the movie, who said, you are who you choose to be. And the Iron Giant gets this big smile and says, Superman. And he collides with the weapon. The missile explodes in the atmosphere, saving the town of Rockwell, its population, and, the, and all the military. And the Iron Giant is obliterated, blown to bits. Very sad and happy scene all at the same time. Months later, a memorial of the giant stands in Rockwell, and Hogarth is given, the boy is given a package, a little box. And in the box is the only piece of the Iron Giant that anybody has ever found. And it's a bolt about this big. And so he has that by his bedside. And then at the very end of the movie, you know what happens? I'll show you. Watch this. See you later.
I know, right? Oh, I love, and that's just like, oh, even just sitting over here, I have like people bumps, you know, just goosebumps. And, and whenever we'd get to that part and we'd play that, you know, as our family was watching it, just the tears flowed. Nobody else, just me. Just tears were flowing because it's such a powerful point. And that last scene, and actually the whole movie is so insightful, but specifically that last scene is very, very poignant in so many aspects of your life. And the whole point of, of that last scene really is, and we, as we extrapolate, isn't it true that many different parts make up the whole thing, right? Many different parts of something is what makes up the whole thing. In math and in, in science, it's called fractals, um, but in different areas of your life, many different parts, different parts make up the whole thing. Think about your work. Think about your job. Think about the team that you're on, the business that you're on, all kinds of different departments make up the whole thing which has a purpose and a mission. Think about school. Uh, think about a sports team. Um, all the different positions and players make up the whole thing. Think about an orchestra or uh, a praise team or a rock band. Um, different parts make up the whole thing. The other thing that's in- interesting or insightful about this last scene in the whole movie is sometimes the whole thing breaks apart and ultimately then can uh, be brought back together. Again, thinking about rock bands, you know. There are times when the whole thing has been broken up and then bands getting back together. Sometimes it works. Like the Grateful Dead, when they got back together, the music they were producing afterwards was still great stuff. The Replacements, and a Minnesota band. Again, broken up and then they came back together. Other times it doesn't work. The Jonas Brothers, there's, there's a movie on Netflix or Prime, I don't remember what it is, but it's basically their story of how three brothers who were very musical and formed this popular, famous, crazy band called the Jonas Brothers broke up and why they broke up, and then they tried to get back together, and it just did not, their music is, my opinion, horrible. <laughs> but it's not the same original Jonas Brothers. So sometimes it, it works, sometimes it doesn't, but the concept is things that are together sometimes break apart and are brought back together. It's actually the same in the history of the church. Way back when, 700 years before Jesus was on the scene, the Israelite group was broken up by the Assyrians, but then over time God brought them back together. 100 years later, same thing happened. They were broken up by the Hasmoneans. They were attacked. Their people were attacked and dispersed all over the area. In 63 BC, before Jesus showed up on the scene, the Romans came in to Jerusalem and besieged Jerusalem, and many of the people in Jerusalem took off and broke it up. That's why the Romans were in power when Jesus was living in Jerusalem. Seventy years after Jesus rose from the dead was the big diaspora where they came in and they attacked Jerusalem and basically leveled the whole city, and people from all over the place just took off. All the, all the, the, the family, the church, if you will, the Israelites, were dispersed amazing scene. But the thing is, is that each time God brought the church back together, it was an iron giant moment where the head, the body of Christ, the Jesus as the head of the, of the church, brought the church back together. And he constantly do, does that. And the thing that you need to know and what, what I need to know too is the church isn't the building, it's the people that make up the gathering of Christ. It's the people that make up the gathering 
of Christ. He constantly is calling us as a church, as individuals, to constantly be united, to live in harmony with each other, to always come back to each other because each of us individually make up and bring gifts and are different uh, and bring talents that make up the church. And it's not just this thing called the church. It's more beautiful than that. God calls it, or Jesus calls it, the body of Christ. The, the body of Christ. If you're listening to me right now, you have a body. You have a physical body. And just like Christ, uh, just like the church is kind of is like that, the illustrations of our body, different parts put together, is the same. All of us make up the body of Christ. It's different expressions, even within Hudson here. Because I'm not just talking about Trinity. This past week, um, there's a family that um, uh, used to be here and really involved in our ministry here, and then for different reasons have plugged into a different church in our area um, for different programs, and there was just a different fit for them, for their family at their stage. And, you know, as a pastor, I, uh, great conversation. As a pastor, I'm like, oh, I wish you were here. But then my second thought is always, you know what? They're, they're in, we're still on the same team. We're still part of the body. of. They didn't leave. They're just in a different expression of the body of Christ. What, what kills me as a pastor, what makes me so sad, is when people get sideways for whatever reason here at Trinity or any church, and then they just stop going. That's, that's where it's just like, oh, please, find a, a different place. If it's not here, find somewhere to plug in because you are part of the body of Christ. You know, we always talk about we're one ministry in two different locations, right? Our East Campus, West Campus. I like to say Trinity is one ministry with 19 locations. All of the churches in Hudson, Shepherd of the Valley. They're not Hudson, they're across the river, but Shepherd of the Valley, Bethel, Faith Community. We're all part of the same body of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing, especially here in Hudson. Um, I could go on forever like that. But one of the things that's poignant for us, especially as we're talking about spiritual gifts and unwrapped, is this. Each of you has a gift that makes up the body of Christ, that pours into the body of Christ. You have a signature thing that you have been given by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, that God wants you to put into play, either here at this church or a different ministry maybe, but put into play to help the body of Christ. So the the section of scripture we're going to be looking at today and next week is 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Paul is talking to this church in, in Corinth, and he's basically going through, hey, about food sacrifice to idols. Hey, about relationships. He's going through this whole laundry list of things, and he gets to this thing called spiritual gifts and the church. And oftentimes in the Bible, it's a deep, deep well. You sit there and you're like, what does this mean? It's, other times it's very shallow where it's just what it says is what it means. You know, like a pool has a deep end, and then it has like that little walrus step for babies. You know, this is a walrus step idea that Paul is going to teach us today. So 1 Corinthians 12 uh, is this, and you can follow along on our church app um, or on the Bible uh, app that you have. So it says this, 1 Corinthians 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole, the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, and Paul was writing, meaning Christ followers at this time, um, some of us are Gentiles, meaning people who weren't born as into the lineage of, of Judaism or Israelites and now are part. 
Some of us are slaves and some are free, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, duh, <laughs> not just one part. And then I love how he, take, he starts personifying parts of the body. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, what, what, or would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, like Mike Wazowski, Monsters, Inc., right? The whole body were an eye, uh, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. So if you are part of the body of Christ, let's say here at Trinity, you are here for a specific reason. God has put you in this church for a specific reason. He has placed you here on purpose. How strange a body, Paul continues, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Now, it's really interesting in a church because in a church, and maybe in society too, but, it, but in a church, it often feels like the people who are up front are more important than the people who are behind the scenes. Often seems like the people who are up front, me, the worship team, whoever's leading up front, are more important than the people behind the scenes. In the body of Christ, we have to fight that kind of disequilibrium. We are all important. At, at any point, Dan in the back could just mute me and it'd be over. If it was Mike Doherty back there, then yeah, that probably would have happened by now. Every single part that you step up and serve, and like Megan White today uh, serving in Extreme Kids, she, she's just as important as what we're doing here. Anybody administratively who works on even printing the bulletins or in, in our finance team or, or on any, we're all part of the body. We all need each other. Um, and, the parts, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not, have, that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. Um, basically, he's saying that the parts that are hurting at one point, um, the people who aren't hurting, we wrap them up and we care for them. We lift them up. So we're all together in the same, um, on the same level, if you will. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. And then he says this, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Isn't that true? How many of you have ever stubbed your toe? What part of your body are you, your whole body hurts or you're hitting the, your thumb, right? Um, for us recently, last night actually, our water heater went out. And um, it's only two years old, so I'm like, rah, rah, rah. Uh, so I'm down there and I'm doing the reset, you know, according to the booklet kind of thing. I call the guy, yeah, do this reset thing. And, and our water heater, it just wouldn't stay lit. Come to find out, there's a part on our water heater that detects um, not only noxious fumes, but fumes that are flammable. And if it detects that, it will shut off. 
which got me to thinking, is my house about to blow up? Uh, it's in our laundry room. And so I got it going, and then uh, last night I thought we were fine, and I woke up this morning, and it was a cold, cold shower. My whole body hurt, right? It, but, and it was just this little part. And then I got to thinking as I was driving over here, I was going to leave a note for Kelly and Maddie to say, hey, by the way, it's going to be a cold shower. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> and, and sure enough, not just that little water heater part hurt me. It hurt our whole household. It's going to hurt my budget because I got to get this thing fixed. So you know what I'm saying? That's, that's the idea, the whole little part. The other side of it is when, you're, when one part of the body celebrates, we all celebrate. This, this last Thursday night, we had our church gathering that uh, ended up being at our West Campus, and we had celebrations. Did you know last year, 2018, um, We Do Feet, which is the building right on our property here, made 5,871 connections with people last year. 5,000 connections, almost 6,000 connections with people last year. That's helping people out. 368 people in our academies students. Multiply that because of the families we impact. There's so much that our church does, and life change happening, families that are rebuilt, uh, prayer and care that happens within the context of, of our church by our care ministry team, all these things that are happening, and we celebrate completely, totally as a church. Uh, Paul continues on with this. <clears throat> All of you are together, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. Just some, not all, but here are some things that, that God has appointed for the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have a gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. And then he kind of does this Paul rhetorical thing. He says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret those unknown languages? Of course not. So, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Basically, what he's saying at this last sentence is, look at your context. What gifts do you need to, to fit the context. If you have the spiritual gift of mercy and, or, or care, you might, not, or you might not want to be in a situation um, where it's, it's a harsh situation or, if, or, or, or vice versa. If you don't have those, you, you may want to watch how you do your care ministry or, or if you're caring for people. You just want to match your giftedness to an area of, of ministry um, to serve the body of Christ. You have a spiritual gift if you're a Christian. You have at least one spiritual gift if you're a Christian. And one of the keys, and this, this is what's crazy about this, the main purpose of a spiritual gift is to help the body of Christ. That's very clear from Scripture. But a byproduct is that you feel alive. If you've ever served, quote, in your gift, you come away with, from that going, that was the, that was the best ever. I could, I could do that forever and you know it. It's a by, the byproduct is the joy that you find in serving the body of Christ. And another byproduct is it gives you an indication and a glimpse into your purpose for life. It's one of the biggest questions that most people ask. What's my purpose for life? God, what's your plan for my life? Start with your spiritual gift. 
deploy it, discover it. Ultimately, again, that gift isn't for you, but the byproduct is this complete joy and satisfaction um, that, you, that you'll have. And that's how God works in our, in our church and how God works in the world through spiritual gifts. So as a recap, um, spiritual gifts are the divine abilities given by the Spirit in order to encourage and strengthen the body, the church. No gift is greater than another. They're all the same as we serve each other. Um, and then as a byproduct, you find your purpose in life. And I always say this. I always say one of the, the keys to happiness is to discover, develop, and deploy your giftedness. And yes, I just quoted myself. <laughs> Humility is my spiritual gift. No. But one of the keys to your happiness is to discover that and develop it and deploy it. And the great thing is, no matter what spiritual gift you have, they're all equal in the body of Christ. Deployed here, think about this, our church will continue to change lives for the better. Our church will continue to be a a hope-filled place for families. Our church will continue to help people connect and grow and serve so that God is honored. So, what's next? Again, like I said, next week, um, more spiritual gift stuff in terms of specific gifts and what some of those look like. Um, But what I want you to do right now, and we had this last week, is make a note of this uh, website, spiritualgiftstest.com. Okay, spiritualgiftstest.com. I would highly encourage you to go to this website and, uh, and take the spiritual gifts test. At the end, it scores your score, and then it, and it gives you, it can email you. I'd encourage you to email it to us here at church so that we can manage that and maybe present you with some opportunities to get that gift into play if you're not serving. Uh, the other thing you can do is right outside on the welcome desk is that survey in hard copy and then also a description of each gift with some ministry opportunities available for you. Um, Because it's one thing to go, oh, I have the spiritual gift of leadership. Now what? That's what that paper, the the other uh, thing does for you. So, um, and then turn those results in again to the church, and we we can help facilitate ministry for you. And who knows, if there's a lot of people in our church that have a certain spiritual gift, maybe there's a ministry we don't have, but God has brought the people already to start that spiritual gift, or to start that ministry. So I'd encourage you all um, to do that. And just sort of in closing, uh, you could do this with your kids too. They have a kids version on, at this website. Um, and as we do, we move forward as a ministry because there's our church, or our, our community needs hope. And when the church is working right, when the church is functioning right, we're a powerful tool in the hands of the creator, Amen. Amen. Let's stand to pray.